Welcome to another episode of the Stuff and Things podcast. I'm Pete. We're, this is Joe, virtually. Uh, tonight we're going to look back at the shellacking of the Spartans, or you could say the Hawkeyes could have hung 300 on those Spartans. Um, we'll look back at that, and we'll look ahead oh, to this. I didn't, I didn't know that was coming up. I mean, it was, it, you know, if it's there, why not? And it's kind of low-hanging fruit. But uh, this is Hate Week, part one of the season, uh, with the Hawks heading up to Minneapolis to take on the Goofers. We're going to dig into that game, maybe talk a little Iowa Basketball Media Day also. Um, maybe talk a little women's basketball because they might be damn good and they might have one of the best players in the country uh, coming into the program. We're going to get into all that right after this. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen to? How do I make money from my podcast? Well, the answer to every one of those questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. When we wanted to start a podcast talking Hawkeye sports, Anchor was our spot to go. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Okay, welcome back to the show. Uh, First things first, Iowa, big win. Finally something positive to talk about after the last couple weeks. Not being that enjoyable to talk Iowa football, I have to be honest. But a big 49-7 blowout of the Spartans there Saturday in Iowa City in front of a raucous crowd of cardboard cutouts. A lot of, a lot of loud cardboard cutouts flapping to the wind. It was. But it was fun. It was very yes. it was very reminiscent of the very reminiscent of Iowa Michigan State, what, ten years ago? I mean that was a different Michigan State team and a much more talented, but where it was you know, he thought it'd probably be a close game, especially given how Iowa had been the first two weeks and then just an utter and complete dominant blowout yeah i mean it, it was certainly the game that we all needed and uh yeah i needed you know, it bad you you call a big number you call a, a three touchdown win and uh gosh uh you know it almost it almost turned out to be just but you know iowa you know getting some subs in in the second half and uh, of course i think it wasn't the, the very first drive of the second half uh michigan state scored mm-hmm. at least their first possession i want to say so um you know that, that kind of, even though you're up 35 nothing at that point, you're kind of like, okay, now wait a second, now wait a second. Uh, but certainly, you know, the, every everything clamped down after that. It was, it was kind of on autopilot much of the second half. Uh, but yeah, you you got your big number that you were looking for. Um, they showed Hawkeye me something. Fans, 
Wildcat fans everywhere got the win. And I think, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point that perhaps most importantly, uh, because, you know, Michigan State is not good, um, but they're respectable. I mean, they beat Mich- um, they went into the big house and beat yeah, Michigan. We'll get into this a little bit later, but yeah, they, they beat a good Michigan team. Uh, or they beat a Michigan team, I should say, uh, who's no, no pushover. So uh, a, lot, a lot of different things going on in the, in the, the conference right now that you probably wouldn't have expected. Uh, just a few weeks ago, but um, you know, get, getting a win over a, a conference team, not named Rutgers or Illinois or Maryland, you know, uh, by this big of a margin is is no easy task. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was just, I don't know. After the first drive, and it just seemed so easy. Part of me was kind of like, okay, well, I'm sure Michigan State will come back and score right away. But man, Rocky Labardi for talking about how. He had this game circled on his calendar as a former West Des Moines Valley guy. He was terrible. I mean, his interceptions were all just bad throw. Uh, well, the the one on the screen pass that Barrington Wade kind of picked off, Wade was kind of hiding there. But, man, the other ones the were just... Six, he's, he slipped on the turn. Yeah. He's, he's rolling out to his left as a right-handed guy. But I don't think he saw like, Moss. Yeah, he's... Slip or no slip, it was not not a good decision. Even worse throw, and yeah, not a uh, not a uh, a banner day for for Rocky Lombardi. Uh, he, he, he connected on a couple of deep balls. I mean, he ended up with uh, two hundred plus passing yards, which is more more than Petrus. But of course, he threw it what forty nine times, I think forty nine attempts. Yeah, Iowa didn't need to throw the ball. Uh, Michigan State did, and uh, yeah, they they just uh, they just couldn't get it done. So I mean, I don't know that there was a whole heck of a lot to like analyze analyze out of, out of this game but like what what are some things like you said you, i know you were looking for kind of that bounce back victory what are some things that at least stuck out to you that you found encouraging that could be you know carried forward into you know next week and beyond well, i think some fun things with the whole lombardi um connection there was some two of his interceptions went to former ciml foes and uh, jack kerner of dowling and and uh riley moss of ankeny centennial so that's kind of funny that um, well, I want to say, I think I saw on Twitter also intercepted Lombardi while they were in high school. Probably. I mean, I, I thought I saw that, that where both Moss and Kerner had picked off. That's a pretty uh, safe. I saw Kerner, Kerner and him were walking off the field, kind of talking uh, quite a bit after the game. Um, I think it was kind of the right recipe as far as running throwing. Um, I think they need to lean on their run game. I think they may have found a good combination in the offensive line. Um, Koi Kronk is nowhere to be found on the depth chart this week. I don't know if that's injury um, or just performance or what, but uh, Jack Kallenberger, or Mark, Mark Kallenberger, um, Jack's the older brother. Mark Kallenberger kind of just slid right in there, right tackle, and then Cody Ince at guard um, really looked good. They ran the ball really well. I mean, Michigan State had just handled Michigan pretty well in that department. And then, um, I mean, the Hawks rushed for 226 yards through for 100 179. I, I think that's a good number. If, if Petrus doesn't have to throw for more than 200 yards, I would say, and they can run the ball like that. And that's a very good, uh, a safe recipe, shall we say, um, to where he doesn't have to have as much pressure on him to go out there and do everything. Um, yeah, and part of me wonders, like, you know, it, it's it's hard to tell sometimes in a game like this, where, like I said, it's where you're, you know, you're 
you're damn near to the to the fifty point mercy rule at halftime, you yep. know, in a Big Ten game where, you know, did did Petrus not have to throw the ball a lot because they were up, or was it more, you know, the the would you claim, you know, the running game kind of got them ahead? I mean, obviously you can watch, you know, each of the first few drives, and of course it gets, you know, kind of complicated even more by a a defensive touchdown, a Charlie Jones special to the house. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a little bit of the chicken and the egg, but uh, certainly, yeah, I would didn't need Spencer Petras to to do it all, uh, which at the very least has got to help him, you know, kind of just continue to, to get more acclimated and more comfortable and all of those things. But, yeah, I mean, Iowa, you know, whatever the record is, uh, you probably actually do know it. Uh, you know, when Iowa runs for 100-plus yards, they're, you know, winning percentages, you know, 90% plus. Uh, and then, yeah, you rack up 226. You don't, you don't really need to do much else. True. And I think so, I think uh, Charlie Jones is kind of a, a topic to take on here. I think he's a he's one of those stories that Kirk always likes to talk about. You know, we need to have some good stories to have a good team. Um, went to out of Deerfield, Illinois, I believe, Chicago area, Chicago suburbs. Um, went to Buffalo up in New York, I think was his, maybe his only scholarship offer. Um, but wanted to play, and I think he led the team in receiving as a freshman at Buffalo, I believe. Um, was too big for the Maction. Um, he knew he had good connections with uh, both Tim Polisek, who recruited him to North Dakota State, and Kelton Copeland recruited him to Northern Illinois. Um, so I guess he kind of reached out to those guys. And I believe Kirk said today, you know, he wasn't initially sold on on Jones and what he and what all the, what all the other coaches were saying. He hadn't really seen it yet, but uh, I think Kirk was finally Kirk finally saw the light probably on Saturday. He's slippery. Uh, He's very slippery on the punt return. He is. You know, kind of reminds me of. Uh, I hate to make this comparison too much, but uh, Andy Brodell. Okay. Right? Um, okay, I can see that. Just, I mean, speed guy, mm-hmm. like kind of slippery, but but also like pretty decisive. You know, like he can kind of get a cut, get a foot in the ground, and, and maintain, you know, kind of top level speed, and, and you know, see the crease right as it's opening up, and it's fast enough to hit it and go. I'm, I'm checking out his uh, his rivals profile. Uh, I, I'd argue his biggest offer coming out of high school is Wyoming. Yeah, maybe? probably. North Dakota State, maybe. After I was say North Dakota uh, State might be bigger than Buffalo, but if, I'd say for sure you're winning national championships at at North Dakota State. But no, I think he's I think he's definitely going to be a piece on this team and can kind of be used in certain situations. And what he he ran the ball a couple times, I believe, on Saturday too. Had a nice yeah, end around. Sweep. I don't know exactly, uh, you know what it was, but it kind of came in motion and came back across there. Probably, probably more of a, a jet sweep. I believe that was yeah. Iowa's first punt return for a touchdown since 2017. Really, that kind of surprised me. Since uh, I think it was Illinois. Riley McCarron, I believe, returned one against Illinois. Uh, also on that punt return, though, our boy Justin Je- Justin Jacobs was a steamroller. He took out... That whole return was a thing of beauty. It was. Okay. Jacobs pancaked the punter. And also at the same time simultaneously walling another guy off. But he literally, he picked up the punter and put and drove him down into the ground. It was pretty great. And yeah, I mean, LeVar Woods, man. LeVar Woods. I, I think, yeah. Uh, you know, if, if we're talking 
talking about Kurt Ferris maybe being in the, or not maybe, but Kurt Ferris being in the Twilight area. I think he's a name that needs to be talked about as the next coach. That, that, uh, that could very well get some traction here before too long, couldn't it? He's got an NFL pedigree. He's coached now. What's he coached? He's coached linebackers, tight ends, and special teams. And he's done well at every single position. I just feel like he's, I think he's got the demeanor. I think he's got the no controversy <laughs> as a certain offensive coordinator on the team uh, has has garnered. Um, I just think he's, I think he's the guy to look at. But in house, I would take, I would pick him over Brian, obviously. But I think he's definitely. Other than that, I mean, it was it was a blow, right? In terms yeah. of the Michigan State game, pass rush finally got home. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Chauncey and, and, and Brook kind of you know got in the box score for some sacks. Uh, love seeing the you know the the game start off with the, the Brandon Smith jump balls. Like, give me all of the Brandon Smith jump balls. Oh my God, yeah! If he's one on one, just throw it up. Yeah, let him go get it. Um, yeah, saw some true freshmen. Uh, you know, not only get some snaps in terms of you know offensive line and some other areas but Gavin Williams also got um, decent amount of carries uh, in the second half there mm-hmm. Alex Padilla yep got to be the backup quarterback so uh, I mean we could we could you know lay out probably four dozen things that we loved about this game biggest disappointment though Keith Duncan missed a field goal he did didn't he I kind of forgot about that to be honest and Tory Taylor is a I think is like a, a cult superhero here pretty soon of Iowa football. He's Australian, he's older, and he's a hell of a punter. Uh, he's, man, he's like a Kirk Ferentz wet dream. Kluver, Tyler Kluver did a, a really great breakdown of, of one of his punts. Uh, I, I just saw a little snippet that was retweeted today about, um, you know, of course he, the, he's the, the special teams guru, but, you know, kind of just from the, the drop of the ball and how the, the nose was pointed down, you know, right as it made contact with the foot and just how powerful his leg is, too. And, you know, let, let's not forget, Tory Taylor, obviously great talent, big leg. Mm-hmm. Also was just playing in his third football game ever. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, the, yeah, Kirk, Kirk, I don't know if it was after, it had to have been after the game, he was talking about him and said, you know, yeah, and on, on the punt return for a touchdown, Tory Taylor runs out on the field without his helmet on to go celebrate celebrate with the with the team and everything with the rest of the guys on the field and so they had to kind of rein him in and be like hey man <laughs> that you can't do that here when uh, that's not something we can do in this game that's hilarious i did not realize that that's pretty good so yeah great uh get right game for for everybody uh get some momentum going kind of, hopefully kind of checked all the boxes because um, i'm telling you this com- the schedule is kind of starting to look up a little bit i mean so yeah, let's flip the script. So Iowa now goes uh, plays their their primetime game uh, Friday against Minnesota. Uh, so this really, I, I don't I, I hate to use the phrase turn in a corner here, but yeah, Minnesota going to be a very competitive game. They're uh, we'll we'll kind of get into the details there later, but competitive game, but winnable game. Penn State so far had won a game. They look uh, terrible. The following week. Uh, after that, you got Nebraska, as won a game. After that, you got Illinois, and then the regular season wraps up with Wisconsin. Who? Oh, I mean, it sounds like they're set to play. This yeah, they're Michigan, but of course they've had their their own issues, and at the very least, won't have the you know the full slate of experience. So, when you're talking 
Minnesota, Penn State, Nebraska, Illinois. Man, three and one in that stretch would be would have you feeling pretty good. I think I think three and one should be the low bar. I think four and zero is very achievable at this point. I mean, hell, if if Penn State loses this week, what's that team's going to have no drive to keep going and nothing to play for? I, I would say they've probably been. The they don't have much now. Surprise slash disappointment. I mean, Michigan is probably right there with them, but I think more or less everybody else have kind of is where you thought they would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with perhaps the exception of some overachievers in the uh, in the West with Northwestern and, and Purdue. Ugh. So yeah, you gotta say, uh, you know, Penn State. Not only that they've lost, but but kind of how they've lost too. I mean, they're they're giving up a ton of points. Um, they're not, and, and they're not scoring much. Uh, so it, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do. So, and of course, now now speaking of this weekend uh, is Penn State at Nebraska, playing in Lincoln. So that uh, that might be kind of the straw that break the camel's back for, for one of those programs. I guess I'd be okay being a, an Indy Lion fan for about three hours or so on, on Saturday. Yeah, and um, I mean, I think Friday night's going to be a lot of fun. Um, the Gophers can score points. Their offense is quite potent. Um, Tanner Morgan's a really good quarterback. Rashad Bateman, who had opted out previously, um, came back and he's – Probably a first-round pick. Uh, the running back Ibrahim has been has had a hell of a year. Um, they, he's he's going to be their guy. I mean, if they're throwing they're throwing to Bateman, uh-huh. everything else is going to be Ibrahim. I mean, Ibrahim almost has as many rushing yards through three games as Tanner Morgan has passing yards. I mean, he, he's averaging being near 200 rushing yards a game and six yards a carry. So, uh, I mean, there, there's no question who the who the guy is in terms of both, you know, Toad the Rock and, you know, who Tanner Morgan is going to be going to be looking for. I mean, half of Tanner Morgan completions are going to Rashad Bateman. So. And then uh, to counter that, though, on the flip side, Minnesota can't stop anybody. Everybody's scoring on Minnesota. Um, they're giving up 7.3 yards per carry, which I would think that would have Iowa salivating a little bit. Um, but what, uh, Maryland, was that double overtime they went with Maryland last, was that a Friday night game too? That was two weeks ago, but yeah, that Friday night game, they, uh, I think that was just a single overtime where they was uh, a single overtime. Point. Yeah. But what, uh, Minnesota, or Michigan dropped 49, I think on them. Yeah. I mean, no, no opponent has scored less than 41 or excuse me. Uh, I mean, uh, Illinois. So, yeah. Excuse me. Uh, Illinois uh, scored a couple of touchdowns, but yeah, in the losses, they've given up, you know, 45-plus points in, in each of those losses. And you said the spread is 3.5 right now? Spread is 3.5, over-under is 58, so you're kind of looking at like a, uh, so 31-28 would be the over by a point, right? Hmm. So 30, 31-28 Hawks would be the over in Iowa, not quite covering that 3.5. Hmm. So, uh, I mean, they're, they're still... Vegas is, is planning on points. Uh, I, I, I don't know if that's a, a bit of an overreaction to, um, you know, the, the 49 points I would put up on Michigan State. So to me, it's kind of still hard to really try and pin down what what this Iowa offense is, mm-hmm. you know, or, or who, who they are in terms of, you know, their identity or what, what you can expect kind of on a, on a weekly basis. It was 
you know, look, looked good in, in the first half of, of the first two games, and then of course just nothing after that, as we've um, you know documented in the, in the last couple of weeks. And then uh, you know they, they finally kind of finally kind of broke that streak this last weekend against um, you know against Michigan State, but of course they didn't. You know, Michigan State's not looking like they're uh, quite quite a varsity team in the Big Ten this year either. So it's hard to kind of tell. Are, are they really that dynamic? Are is Northwestern and, and Purdue just that good? I mean, mm-hmm. they're both still undefeated as, as we record this today on Monday. So um, certainly, like I said, some some trends starting to develop in the league, and you're kind of really seeing, you know, what what was or wasn't weak fluke, you know, uh, and who really is actually looking like a, a good team. Um, but you know, all all that said, I still I still don't know how to feel about Iowa's offense. I don't know. I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of, you know, kind of perhaps having the run set up the pass mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to vice versa and kind of letting the, you know, the running game lead the way. And we finally did see some, some runs out of shotgun. Which um, they need to do that more, man. Broke tendency yeah. for the Iowa running game. So I don't know where that was weeks one and two, but hopefully, you know, you see it continue because now is, now is when your season is going to really start to get defined. You know, the first two weeks are what they are. Now what do you do with it? Especially like you kind of said in this very favorable I mean, man, I just, we were just talking, you know, talking about the Big Ten and how things are shaking out. If you look at the bottom three of the Big Ten East, it's Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State. That is crazy. Michigan State, Michigan and Michigan State both one and two, Penn State 0 and three. Rutgers is, the the East is just wacky, I mean, outside of Ohio State, which, yeah. They're always going to be up there, but Jesus, Indiana being a three and zero. This is it's. I mean, it's just a weird. Obviously, it's there, a weird there, there's year. There's weirdness going on. There's definitely weirdness going on. So, but like I said, for some teams, I mean, their you know their their trajectory you know trajectory is is laid out for them. I mean, Northwestern and Purdue. I mean, you hate to call that game on Saturday a. Uh, you know, de facto big yeah. West. Yeah, who'd have thought that'd be the the huge uh, matchup of the year so far? You know, but uh, you know, it, it's kind of shaping up like it like it could be. Certainly, you know, because Wisconsin can't afford to um, can't afford to miss any additional games. Um, you know, Illinois and Nebraska sure as hell aren't doing anything. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's just a strange season all around. Nebraska got themselves a quarterback controversy. I I mean I I can't claim to have uh, kept up on their message boards or anything like that, but it, you, it kind of feels like it's it's the Luke McCaffrey era. I mean, w- why not at this I, I point? Yeah, I mean, if if he and Martinez are even on the same level, McCaffrey's younger, so go with the youth, man. They have scored 30 points in their two games this year. Have they really? And, of course, what was 14 to that or so, like in the first quarter against – Ohio State? Yeah. First, yeah. First, first quarter, first half. First quarter, for sure. Yeah. Because I, I just remember that first touchdown. They showed the video of that. Uh, is it the Haymarket district downtown there in Lincoln? And all the fans outside watching just losing their goddamn minds because they were ahead 7 to nothing on Ohio State. Yeah. 14 points in the first half against Ohio State. And then 16 total points in the next six quarters. Yeesh. Yikes. Not good. So I mean, 
one thing, one thing though that is true about uh, uh, you know Nebraska. If, if you do take Adrian Martinez out, he's not <laughs> he's not great, uh, not been great passing the ball this year. But in addition to you know being their their leading passer, obviously as their starting quarterback, mm-hmm. he's probably one of their best rushers too. I, w- I would venture to guess he's probably um, maybe their second best rusher, at least in terms of. Nope, he is number one. <laughs> he is their. He has more um, yards than Mills. Mills only has 84. Luke McCaffrey, so uh, Nebraska's top two passers, Martinez and McCaffrey. Nebraska's top two rushers in terms of yardage, Martinez and McCaffrey. Martinez and McCaffrey. That's wild. Uh, One thing I think we should probably just at least touch on, because, I mean, it's kind of the world we live in now, but uh, Iowa's had their fourth player transfer, announced a transfer in the past two weeks. Um. The first three were all kind of guys that were either late additions to a recruiting class or not on the depth chart or a long way from home or all of the above. Uh, this this week we had another a defensive back, Deron McKinney, out of uh, out of Detroit, the Detroit area. Um, kind of very similar recruitment to uh, Desmond King. Um, he was committed to where I believe he was committed to Northern Illinois, and then. Phil Park, he was a Phil Parker special, as we like to call him. Um, Phil kind of went in there last minute and got him to come in, and I thought he was going to play this year, but I don't know. I guess uh, I think some people, you know, are trying to make this well. It's just about the the race thing and everything that's going on. I don't, I don't see that. I don't think any of these guys are really in line for any playing time anytime soon, especially as we talked about uh, earlier. There are twenty seven sophomore and freshman on the on the two deep depth chart right now um and if you're not one of those you probably should probably go start looking elsewhere yeah i mean particularly in the in the defensive backfield too so obviously you know you got hankins who you would assume is, is probably gone i mean he's a senior yep. versus this year's a free year but then you look at the other cornerbacks uh yeah Prince is a sophomore uh, I wouldn't say Riley Moss is a, a junior. He's a true junior, but he's a, a sophomore. I mean, Jamari Harris played. I believe he's a redshirt freshman. Yeah, he played on Saturday. You know, ahead of him, who are either in his class or you know, kind of get to that point where he's about to elapse. And and that's certainly not to be, you know, dismissive by by any means. Especially, you know, you probably have to to give things a little bit more of a critical eye. You know, this season or this this upcoming offseason than perhaps, you know, ever before. But, uh, yeah, he certainly seemed like a guy who uh, Phil Parker really liked um, in terms of, you know, kind of being that late offer. And uh, But it, it just wasn't – there didn't seem to be a very clear pass for him on the depth chart. And you know what? That, that should be enough. And, you know, the, the way uh, that the NCAA has, has opened up, you know, the, the transfer uh, for players, which is something I fully support. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I do think, I do. You know, this isn't just the case at uh, at Iowa. Certainly, um, you you can follow the uh, the Twitter account. The, the rivals has uh, like a dedicated transfer the portal transfer portal. Yep. Twitter account that tells you, you know, anytime somebody, um, you know, somebody from a, a power five school enters a transfer portal, there was like six or seven other guys that day alone. Um, yeah. During the season, who are for entering the portal and leaving their team. So. You know, of course, where this does hurt, um, you know, not specific to the position, but just in terms of, you know, the, the makeup of the roster is 
overall depth and experience because it's not like you're just going to plug and play a, a four-star defensive back there uh, or a five-star guy. You know, if somebody like, you know, Moss and, you know, uh, say Terry Roberts go down with an injury, McKinney probably would have been considered as, as you know, one of the, the next uh, few guys in, one of the top candidates for that. So that's, you know, kind of where this departure hurts. Not only that, but I, I think in terms of the, you know, kind of the hypersensitive environment right now, but I think we probably all should get used to these things starting to happen during the season as opposed to, you know, kind of uh, mm -hmm. just being left out there in a Friday afternoon news dump post bowl game before spring practice. Like, you're going to see this more regularly um, now, like, which, which is nothing. I mean, it's not right, wrong, or different. It's kind of just the, the, the cost of doing business anymore. Yeah, and I mean, that's just these kids they don't wait around you know for their for their turn they want to a lot of kids want to go in and play right away and if they don't if they are like this if they see themselves where it's going to be a year or two before they get time they might want to look to jump and that's you know that's their choice that's no no fault to them at all you know if they they want to go where they're going to play and i don't blame them for that so is it a is it a is it a trend i don't think so i don't i think i think it's probably just it's some yeah, trimming of some fat, maybe. I mean, I don't want to like downplay these guys or anything like that, but I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I mean, and what's what's weird? I mean, what's kind of just another you know dynamic to layer on top of this too is that since this twenty twenty season is kind of a, a preseason in terms of you know retaining or, or using of eligibility, um, at, at some point Iowa and every every you know school is going to have to figure out a way to kind of. Uh, pick and choose its spots with, in terms of incoming guys and, you know, trying to figure out and, and manage who's going to stay over and use that extra year and who's not because I, I don't think it'll probably be next year, but within the next couple of years, you know, they'll probably have to start taking smaller recruiting classes providing, you know, their player retention, you know, kind of sticks around where it historically is. And Iowa's the kind of program that, you know, does tend to take about the same number of kids every year, you know, about 20, 21 guys in each class. Yep. Uh, you know, about a quarter or so of the 85 scholarships. Uh, they like to do a, you know, pretty good job of evenly distributing those. So, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it, it's weird still seeing it. Uh, it is certainly weird, you know, when you put it in the context of the other three and just everything that went on in the off season. But I don't feel like it's, you know, in itself, you know, anything to, to get too alarmed about. Yep. I think that's probably, or I guess let's let's do some predictions and maybe for the game this week, and then we'll maybe talk a little basketball. Yeah, yeah. Um, since you said it, you go first. Hmm. <laughs> um. Well, before the season, you know, just looking at this matchup, I probably would have given it to the edge to Minnesota, but seeing how porous their defense has been, um, I think Iowa can score enough, and I like. Iowa's defense, I think as their run defense, it's ranked pretty highly, I believe, right now. Um, I like to I like them to maybe slow down Ibrahim. I mean, I think Bateman's probably gonna get his. Uh, you know, with Phil's defense is designed to keep everything underneath and in front. So Bateman's gonna probably get a lot of slant routes and all that stuff. The D line's gonna have to get some pressure. I think Nixon and Golston are need to get after him. But, I mean, we're the homers, so I'm going to go with an Iowa win. I'm going to go, let's say, these games always, 
I feel like the last couple of years, Iowa will jump out to a lead, and then the Gophers will kind of get it back closer, and it gets a little sweaty at the end. Um, I'm going to say 34-24, Hawks. <laughs> that was almost my exact pick, but I, I see a pretty similar game. Um, what what you can't have happen is, so it, this kind of feels in, in a lot of ways like uh, like the Purdue game, even though we didn't know the Purdue game was going to quite be this way. Mm-hmm. We knew David Bell was going to get his, and then it became pretty yep. apparent, especially in the second half of that Purdue game, uh, you know, there, there's basically two options on offense. They're running it. They're handing it off to what's his name, big Mike Allstott ass guy. Uh, and passes, they're passing it to to David Bell, and that's exactly what this is going to be too, right? Uh, if they're they're running it, it's going to be Abraham heavy load. I mean, the guy averages a ton of carries, a ton of yards per carry. Um, and if they're passing, they're looking for a Bateman. Like, there's no mystery as to what it's going to be. Um, you know, the the key is going to be is Iowa's defense going to be the defense you saw uh, week one against Purdue or um, you know, have they kind of learned from uh, from that experience? And is it going to be the the Iowa offense that you saw just totally, um, you know, just sun Rocky Lombardi and, and the Spartans? So um, I, th- I think the answer is probably somewhere in the middle because mm-hmm. I do think that you know Minnesota's offense is capable. Uh, but I'm going to go uh, I'm going to go 34-27 uh, Hawks win. So that was between 34-24 and 34-27. 34-27. So I'm taking the over. Uh, Keith Duncan gets right. I think I think the uh, the two field goals you see to get to the 34 there from Duncan are are timely ones. I can't imagine he's too happy about missing the attempt last. He missed that. It was so close. He just barely barely pushed it past the uprights. So I mean, as per usual, couple Hawkeye victories. Duh. You don't come to this podcast for controversy and us to pick against Iowa. Let's be honest. Um, and speaking of no controversy, that's a horrible segue, but Iowa basketball, um, the AP poll came out this week and we have a top five ranked Iowa basketball team, which immediately makes me nervous because there's just the same way. Like, gosh, like for, for some kind of of reason, I was kind of hoping it wouldn't be what we kind of thought it was, what it was going to be all along. Right. Like. Everybody kind of knew it was going to be a top top ten ranking, probably a top five ranking. Uh, but to see it for earlier, kind of like, oh, damn. Even though I've said plenty of times in the past that the only thing more worthless than preseason college football rankings are preseason college basketball rankings. Um, True. Just in terms of you know how it eventually uh, settles out towards the end of the year. But yeah, seeing it kind of seeing that low of a number, you know, next to next to Iowa's name in that initial in that initial poll. Okay, now, now the expectations are uh, are there. They're pretty pretty damn clear, and, and you know what? Uh, your boyfriend certainly didn't certainly didn't shy away from them yesterday. No, and uh, the Fran yeah the Fran hyperbole train was rolling. Um, let's see who was who was he loving on? One of the Murray twins was phenomenal. Nunji was phenomenal. I mean, it's tough to yeah. You know, and I watched his whole interview, and he almost seemed annoyed. With being there, but he's never one to to not love to bestow all these big delusions of grandeur on players, whether right, wrong, or indifferent. I guess we'll find out. But um, the the expectations are there. I we'll see uh, we'll see how Fran handles them. Of all people, I'm I'm not worried about you know. I think the players themselves are very 
you know, obviously there's a lot of a lot of experience on this team, but I think I'm more worried about how Fran manages playing them and in what groups of five he has on the floor at times and sometimes you know, sometimes his lineup combinations are just a little they get a little sideways, to quote Fran. I mean, because, yeah, if you look at just, I mean, offensively, just the weapons alone, I mean, you you put Luca down in the post and anybody he kicks out to, I mean, save Nungie's in the game at the same time with Luca. If you have Nungie, Frederick, j and Wieskamp around the perimeter, I mean, pick your poison, I guess, at that point. But it's a deadly combo. But I, think, I don't think, uh, I mean, I don't think Nungie will start. I think they'll, I'd go with the lineup last year that, you know, but I guess does does Jabo start to start the year? Does Toussaint get the nod? I, I, I think you have, I mean, I think Jabo's earned the right to start, even if he's, you know, there for tip off plays through the, uh, you know, to the under 12 timeout and then maybe gets a good rest. At least, you know, um, for the first few games, by all accounts, it sounds like he's, um, you know, Pretty good. Oh, yeah, Fran said he looks phenomenal. Uh, and of course he did, right? But, you know, <laughs> both hips are, are good. Uh, and I think he, uh, by his own accord, says he's in the best shape of his life. But yep. Still going to be some rust. I mean, you know, he played, what, eight games last year? Ten. Ten games last year. Sure. Um, but, you know, other than that, he hasn't played in almost two years then, you know, if, if you take out those games. So, uh, it's, you know, coming off. Uh, you know, kind of that lack of experience or at least, you know, real game experience and then having kind of the two hip surgeries, I, I think it's only fair to expect, you know, him to take a little bit of time to get acclimated, if nothing else, in terms of his conditioning. Fran, so I think he's earned the right to be out there for the, for the opening tip. And Fran had some good things to say about the newcomers. He said he's not going to worry about, obviously not going to worry about redshirting because it's a free year. Um, so... No worries there. Everybody's basically a full go if they need to. Um, said Aaron Eulis, the point guard, who might, I guess, third string point guard. I don't know. We'll see where he, but he's, uh, he said he's been playing really well. He can play probably one through three. Um, Tony Perkins is another guy he mentioned that's going to be a very athletic guy. Um, I almost kind of maybe. Just want to see some wings. 
Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like they have a lot of wings other than Perkins and, you know, I guess you call Wieskamp one, and then Fredericks maybe like an undersized wing. But... Yeah, because Perkins is, I think he's listed at 6'4", um, but I feel like he, to me he's almost like a, a more athletic Anthony Clemens. I think he's kind of a, a defensive stopper that can go get a bucket when he needs to, but you're going to put him out there and put him on the other team's best guy and lock him down. Um, and the Murray twins uh, sound like they've been looking very good. I don't know which one's which. One's left-handed, one's right-handed, and that's about all I know. But um, I believe he said Keegan is a phenomenal rebounder. It was another another Fran hyperbole, but um, I I bet they probably see a good amount of time this year. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and, you know, we forgot to mention is Patrick McCaffrey. I I keep forgetting about him. I mean, he's put on probably twenty five pounds since last year, and looks like the, his picture of his team picture from last year to this year looks like pre puberty and after puberty. That it would be perfect for that meme. Um, yeah, I, mine. It's still going, but uh, I mean, I think Patrick will be a can probably give you some good minutes at the three and the four. But I think even just talking this far, it's like, and I haven't even mentioned Joe Toussaint yet. There's just there's a there's a lot of dudes, and that, that makes me nervous because Fran likes to. Do his line changes sometimes, and I think that gets him into trouble, and gets guys out of the flow of the game. And I think you treat your substitution patterns like last year. You you get you stick to your seven or eight guys. If you need to go deeper, do it. But due to foul trouble or something like that. But if not, stick with stick with those guys, man. It worked well last year. I just yeah, and I, I don't know. I mean, in a way. Especially with you know kind of the the much shorter non-conference schedule, and which is you know when you include the the, the heavy hitters, you know North Carolina, Gonzaga, Iowa State. Yep. You feel like that that's going to be those three games are really when you're going to have you know, your top seven eight guys in. Yep. Um, so does that mean just does that mean the other two you get your starters out there to kind of break a sweat and get some run, uh, and then kind of you know almost play like your JV <laughs> in, in that you know like twenty five. 30 minutes in that game, I, I, I don't know. So that, that's really what I'm curious to see uh, because uh, other other than some, you know, games against, I don't know, Nebraska or, or Northwestern or, or, you know, somebody like that. I think uh, Penn State could be rough this year. True, true, yeah. Penn State with, with Pat Chambers being gone. But I, I just don't know how much opportunity there will even really be for, you know, some, some wide open games or, you know, guys to get – Meaningful minutes in situations that you know um, that they aren't going to be you know relied upon to to carry the weight of a game you know much less a, uh, the weight of a game for a team that's you know, preseason top five. Yeah, and uh, the other freshman um, Josh, I don't know if it's Ogundale or Ogundale, how would the correct the correct pronunciation, but Frank kind of said he's he's still kind of behind the eight ball, um, just. And trying to get over here with all the COVID stuff this summer, he just kind of started behind everybody. So, not sure you'll probably see him as much this year. Which that's hopefully they don't need to. I think I I think the Murray twins can probably fill in some maybe at the four or the five. Hell, Connor played the five at times last year, depending on matchups. Yeah, and it's the weird sort of thing, you know, just with the 
uh, with the no red shirt or, you know, kind of pre-year, because it's like, you know, that, that totally opens it up where you might as well play everybody as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I just don't realistically kind of know what that opportunity would look like. When, when you're a team with the expectations and the hopes that Iowa has and when you truly have, you know, a roster that top to bottom where every guy is really deserving, you know, I mean, obviously you got, you, you talk about the established guys, you got the class and the five freshmen. I mean, by all accounts, uh, you know, any of those guys, one through 13, one through 14, are legit D1 basketball players. So how did, how did you manage that just in terms of, uh, you know, feelings and egos and, and personalities? And obviously, you know, uh, I can't imagine Aaron Ulis uh, is going to come in thinking he's going to, you know, be the starting point guard of the Iowa Hawkeyes, you know, with, You know, it's interesting on the Hawkeye website, uh, I went there to see if they had a pronunciation for Ogundele and he's, so they have, they have pronunciations for like Michael Bear, Toussaint, Nunji, Wieskamp, Garza, well, it's for Luca, but nothing for Ogundele. So. Maybe the phonetics department got furloughed. Maybe. That's, that could be very true. Um, let's see. The website probably still doesn't have a schedule up. I think no, just, no schedule. I mean, it's, so we still don't know. We only we don't know the Big Ten. The, the MTEs and the ACC Big Ten, <laughs> obviously the Stanford Pentagon game. Which those are the only two games on the schedule page is North Carolina and Gonzaga. I tell you what, don't even schedule anything else. Play those two. If you win those two, I think you're a number one seed. Yep. So I just say put your all put all your eggs in those in those baskets. So December eighth, I mean, gosh, that's we're four weeks out from the from Iowa, North Carolina. That's pretty exciting. It sounds like though there there will be basketball played two weeks from now, uh, starting November twenty. I'm pretty pumped. I'm pretty pumped. I'm very, I'm very excited for this basketball season. I mean, it's what it's the best team they've probably had since '87, probably with the Tom Davis, Tom Davis's first year. so we'll. I think I think the Sweet Sixteen is the is the floor because I think once you get to the Sweet Sixteen, it's all about matchups with you know who you're playing and everything like that. It's kind of a crapshoot from there. So I'm not in the camp of being like, oh, they got to go to the Final Four. Or it's a lost season. Okay, well let's uh, let's back up just a little bit. So uh, because you know I, I'd even argue that a lot of you know being able to progress. You know, in March is about matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, so, where would you see Iowa if, if you had to take a stab at it right now? Where would you see Iowa on the seed line? Uh, well, what, what's a reasonable expectation for for a you know a March Madness seed as we stand right here today? I would say a three or four. Mm-hmm. I'd so say four, four, four probably on the low end. Obviously, what that would put you in the, ranked in the top sixteen in the country. I would I would like to see them hold there in that. Um, I mean, the Big Ten's good. There are seven teams in the top twenty-five, I believe. Seven Big Ten teams. Um, so yeah, what that what that does is then puts you at playing no better than a thirteen seed. If you're saying 
three to four. That means you're playing a, a 13 or a 14 seed. Yep. Uh, of course, the three thirteen matchup has not always been favorable to Iowa. Yeah. Uh, uh, and of course, you know, once you slip down into five twelve territory, that's where you know every year you see, uh, or at least you know, kind of year after year, see a fair amount of twelves upsetting fives. So. And, and yeah, it, I, mean, I agree with that, but I just think I think the the depth of the talent they have this year, I think, would almost out, almost kind of like a good running game wears you down in the third, fourth quarter. I think Iowa's depth, and really offensively, I don't think I'd, I'd like to see a, a 14 or 13 seed that can run with Iowa offensively, possession for possession, like they'll be able to put up points this year. Starting the season on, and you know, kind of having that platform is—it's exciting and it's uh, nerve-wracking and it makes you anxious all at the same time. But you know, you'd rather be there than be uh, a Nebraska basketball fan or a Penn State basketball fan. I mean, really Iowa State could—it could be a rough year for Iowa State too. I just don't want my Bulls to draft uh, Halliburton. Because <laughs> then, what am I going to do? Am I have to root for him? I mean, I think I think if you're the Bulls, haven't you had enough Iowa State? I mean, Tim Tim Floyd, Hoiberg, Pfizer, yeah. and yeah, just maybe Ryan Storff just has that uh, has that connection in his mind that Iowa State basketball equals good professionals. Yeah, and one quick note on the Iowa women's uh, basketball media day. Lisa Bluter also spoke with the media. Um, Caitlin Clark is going to be really good for Iowa basketball. Um, she was the, I believe she was the third overall recruit in the country. Um, had offers from everywhere. I think Notre Dame, you know, I think that she picked Iowa over Notre Dame, um, but really could have gone to play anywhere she wanted, um, as far as women's basketball, but she will be, she's a six foot six, one point guard. She's going to be running the show from day one. Um, I think they're going to be, they'll probably be fun to watch. I mean, they've been putting up points like, like it's nothing the last few years. Um, I definitely think they'll maybe see a little bit of drop off losing, uh, Kathleen Doyle was really good for him last year, but I think Caitlin Clark's going to step right in there and take over and run the show. I think she's going to score a lot of points. I know the quote I saw was uh, Lisa Bluter said, teams better be ready to guard Caitlin Clark as soon as she crosses half court. Um, she's not afraid to shoot it from anywhere. And getting to see her play some medalling and stuff, she's she's a ball player, man. I mean, I've never seen anybody like her in central Iowa for sure, let alone the state of Iowa. Um, Iowa just doesn't usually get that kind of talent, so it should be a lot of fun to watch here over the next few years. You know, and I, I want to say silently, but it really isn't so silently anymore. You know, um, Lisa Bluter has really just done an amazing job of, you know, kind of year after year. I don't want to say like you know reinventing the team or, or kind of the roster, but it, it, they, they yeah. I mean, it seems like you know for every you know. Megan Gustafson, you lose. Um, you know, you, you kind of, you know, the next year are looking at a, a roster with, you know, different key contributors. Yep. Yet, you know, kind of having that same level of, uh, of expectation. So it, it really. Um, well, it's almost she. Maybe, she... You know, Kathleen, I mean, the, the names change. And, and, you know, it, at the time they all seem like, well, gosh, how, how can you ever afford to lose Gustafson? Or how can you ever afford to lose, you know, Kathleen Doyle, or, you know, or whoever. But. It, 
Johnny Davis. You know, it just doesn't seem yep. to matter. She just keeps reloading. And really has done a phenomenal she's, job. She's, it's crazy how she adapts her style of play to her players. You know, more so you see a lot of coaches, a lot of high-profile high coaches, you adapt your players to how you play. She does kind of goes the other way, and she really does a good job of 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 working of playing to the strengths of her players. She knows them, and she builds the game around that. And they're they're a lot of fun to watch, man. The Iowa women the last few years have been a lot of fun to watch. Gosh, I mean, now I'm just going back and looking through like old rosters. You know, Allie Disterhoff. Like, yep. Every year, there's like that person, Claire Till. You know, or you know, gosh, once you lose her, what what next year gonna look like? And it, it just doesn't matter. She just keeps uh, what things. Samantha uh, Samantha Logic, Sam Logic was yeah, a yeah. she was a really good player. Um, so yeah, it's I think they've got the last two reigning, or technically the last three three years in a row, Big Ten Player of the Year uh, with Gustafson winning it twice, and then Kathleen Doyle um, this past year. So can Caitlin Clark uh, take that mantle? Maybe not as a freshman, but I would be safe to say that she's going to probably get that title at least one time before uh, she leaves Iowa City. Um, she says she's come She's come to Iowa to take him to the Final Four. So hopefully she can do that. That would be a lot of fun. But That would be pretty wild. We, we need something to cheer for. I would not know how to handle that. Talk about anxiety. Holy crap. <laughs> um, I think that's all we probably got this week. Yeah, I mean, nothing, you know, the Michigan State game didn't, doesn't take much stock to kind of see how that one goes, you know, uh, you know, once uh, 9 o'clock or so on Friday night rolls around, if nothing else is going to be kind of nice for you and I both, we're going to have our, our weekend completely free as yep. Iowa fans and Chiefs fans. You know, I mean, yeah, it's going to be weird. Be able to watch Friday night, and then uh, I, I don't know what we'll do Saturday and Sunday. I mean, I yeah. guess there's other stuff to, to do. There's other things to do in the fall besides football on the weekends? Yeah, you're the Mister Mr. Home Improvement over here. Looking forward to a weekend of not not doing any projects or chores. So that, that uh, Friday night game will be kind of a fun little way to, to start the weekend off. It's Friday night, yeah, Friday night, six p.m. Central Time on Big Ten Network, correct? Uh, FS1. Maybe? Is it FS1? It's on TV. It's on. It's on one of those networks. FS1. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, make sure you go check out a Hawkeye victory Friday night. Um, also, make sure you go check out thetailgatesociety.com. It's where you'll find um, all of our past podcast episodes. If you're bored and have some time to kill and you're like, I wonder what these idiots said about this game last year or something like that. Go back and listen to us and uh, then berate us on Twitter if you want. That's fine. Um, make sure you go follow us on Twitter, at uh, Stuff and Things Pod. Um, we used to have a Snapchat. We don't use it anymore. But uh, make sure, yeah, you go follow our Twitter page. And check out the tailgatesociety.com and also Deadeye Barbecue Sauce. Uh, I'm coming at you live from the Deadeye Barbecue Sauce studios. Put some on uh, some barbecue I did the other night. It was delightful. Make sure you go get that at Hy-Vee, Fairway, or I think you can still order it on Amazon if you're not in the state of Iowa. Um, with that said, though, I think that's all we got this week. So we'll be back to holler at you next week after hopefully a big Hawkeye victory in Hate Week Part 1. Beat that goofer ass. We'll talk to you next week. Love you guys. I want you to kill every gopher on the course. 
Check me if I'm wrong, Sandy, but if I kill all the golfers, they're going to lock me up and throw away the key. Golfers! You're Greek, not golfers! The little brown furry rodents! We can do that. Why? We don't even have to have a reason. Do it, man! All right, let's do the same thing, but with gophers. Gosh! It's not my fault nobody can understand what you're saying. <laughs> 